Well, hey there, you have stumbled into Sister Sharpen Sister, where three sisters get together each week and talk about first one thing and then another. Primary focus being health, fitness, and faith, but you never really know where our conversations are going to end up. <laughs> okay, welcome to another episode of Sister Sharpen Sister, and today... We are talking about the most underutilized religious practice in the world, or at least in the Western Hemisphere, and that is fasting. But we're going to talk about it in regard to more than just the religious aspect, which is what Delina will cover. And Delina will close us out because I am sure her research is above and beyond anything that I have done. (laughs) Well, I, I got to tell you, I cannot tell you everything that I've got. Otherwise, we'd be talking about this for several episodes. So I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit the high points. Yeah, I think hitting the high points gonna, is, is yeah. plenty. Before we actually get into it, we do want to say that we are not professionals of any kind. If you need medical, fitness, or nutritious advice, go see a professional of that sort. What you are hearing us talk about are things that we have heard and things that may have worked for us. So I'm going to get into what fasting is. Fasting is not starvation. Fasting is a period of time where you go without eating. And I'm talking physically. You know, there are different types of fasting. You can fast from social media. You can fast from saying swear words. But we're talking physical here. So fasting is abstaining from food, calories, over an extended period of time. And that's usually between 12 and 24 hours. Religious practices like Muslims who uh, observe the month of Ramadan fast from sunup to sundown for the entire month. So it can go longer than just a couple of days. Some people do intermittent fasting as or a uh, what what are they? They've started calling it something else. Time restricted feeding (laughs) as a way of uh, getting healthier. Back in ancient Greece. Hippocrates, who is the father of modern medicine, or the father of medicine, the father of modern medicine. Anyway, he started it all. It's why doctors say Hippocratic Oath. It's where it comes from. He believed that it helped the body to heal itself, and they are finding research into that. Consistent fasting has shown that it can help your body enter a stage called autophagy, which is, it just means that you're eating yourself. And what happens during autophagy is that the body itself get together and get rid of uh, dead cells, those DNA that's not working, just anything in the body that doesn't seem to be working appropriately. And it starts to repair itself. And when that happens, you also have a stimulation of the growth hormone, which can help you feel better. It helps you look younger and it helps your skin The physical benefits of fasting can obviously be weight loss. You can also help to lower your cholesterol and your triglycerides. It can help to lower blood pressure. It can improve your blood sugar, decrease inflammation, which is a big thing nowadays. People like to talk about inflammation, better brain health. And I didn't find a whole lot of studies or research on fasting and brain health, but what I did see indicates that Continually eating leads to a decline in your cognitive ability. But those individuals who consistently practice fasting, whether for religious or health reasons, are quicker minded. They don't have as much dementia or 
Alzheimer's, and things of that nature. There are fewer age-related diseases, a couple of those I just mentioned, but also it can lead to a decrease in things like uh, type 2 diabetes and heart disease and even cancer. But there are a list of people who should not fast. Um, anybody over the age of 65, and I can't remember where I got this information. I'm going to have to go back through my tabs on the computer and tell you where I got this information. But uh, those who not who should not fast are those over the age of 65. If you're just starting and you're over the age of 65, obviously talk to your doctor, but they do not recommend it because older individuals who practice fasting have the um, disadvantage of losing too much weight. Uh, those who are still growing, like kids and teenagers and young adults, should not fast. They do say that people who have diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, liver problems should not fast. And anybody taking medications like blood thinners, blood pressure medications, because those things can, when you're fasting, interfere with things like sodium and potassium and the calcium levels in your blood. And it can lead to some adverse and sometimes uh, fatal side effects. Well, that kind of contradicts what you said earlier. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, it, it just depends on what side of the table you're going to look at. But it also depends on when you start. If you are fasting and you have these problems, then you should be making sure that you are doing it under the care of your physician. Because when you fast, decreasing certain medications and are you really doing this and you're not taking in any calories, then we have to make adjustments to your meds. And those are the people that are consistently doing it. They've done it for a number of years. But if you are new and you are on blood pressure medication and you're a little bit overweight and you're hearing all about fasting and intermittent fasting, then talk to your doctor because they may not want you to do it. I did run into a blog article titled, Why I Stopped Intermittent Fasting and Actually Lost Weight. And this lady was doing intermittent fasting as a way to control her weight. Let me see if Jenny Sugar is her name, S-U-G-A-R. That's what she goes by. Real name, I don't know. Might just be a pen name, but she actually fell over into an eating disorder because of inter intermittent fasting. So she quit. So intermittent fasting or fasting altogether may not be beneficial to those who have had or are having eating disorders. One of the processes with fasting that helps you to lose weight is that the body goes into a state of ketosis. Ketosis and ketoacidosis are two completely different things. Ketosis is when your body breaks down fats for fuel. And the ketones that are released are a byproduct of fat being used as energy. It's basically the goal of the ketogenic diet. You get into a state of ketosis where your body is burning fat instead of sugar, and that helps you to lose weight. It usually occurs two to four days after starting the keto diet or after a prolonged period of fasting and various factors such as age, metabolism, your exercise level, your current intake, all of that can affect how fast you go into ketosis. One of the side effects of ketosis is something called keto breath. It is bad breath, but it's a sickly sweet smell and it always made me think of juicy fruit gum. <laughs> That's what it, to me, that's what it smells like. And that happens because the byproduct of the of um, fat metabolism, which is ketones, are expressed through exhalation. You get rid of it through breathing. And that's why you have that. But it's temporary. It's temporary. As long as you keep 
doing your keto diet or your fasting, whatever it is that you're doing, it will eventually go away. Now, ketoacidosis usually happens in individuals who have type 1 diabetes or insulin-dependent diabetes. It can happen in those who have type 2 diabetes, but it's not very often that you would see that. So type 1 diabetes, they used to call juvenile diabetes because it used to only be seen in kids, right? Well, That's what it would start. Yeah. yeah. Type 2 diabetes, they are actually starting to see in children now because of their diet and lack of exercise. So anytime I'm hearing type 2 diabetes, what I'm starting to hear is lifestyle onset diabetes. And that's what I've started calling it. I want to make a, a point here is that a lot of people don't even realize that type 1 and type 2 diabetes are not even the same disease. Right. They're, they're different. Treated the same with medications. The same. And they have same symptoms, but they're not even the same disease. So just right. because they both have diabetes in them doesn't mean they're the same disease. Yeah. Because I've actually talked to type 2, some people who are type 2 uh, diabetic, and they've made a statement of, uh, well, the doctor's putting me on insulin, so I'm going to be a type 1 now. I said, oh. no, you're not. <laughs> no, people, some people just don't realize that. Right. Type 1 diabetes is you don't produce insulin at all. Your the pancreas. pancreas down, it doesn't work. That part of your pancreas does not work. Type 2 diabetes, you do produce insulin, but your insulin sensitivity is so off the scale that your body can't recognize your own insulin, so you have to supplement it. Now, through the years, I've known a few people with type 2 who were able to control it eventually with just their diet and exercise. They, they changed their lifestyle, lost a lot of weight, yes. and they no longer had to take medication or anything. Yeah, we have friends that have done the same. And it, now, it's type just, 1, you're going to take insulin forever and care how skinny you are. Exactly. I came across a couple of podcasts and the first one was, let's see, this podcast is called Beyond the Scrubs. It's by a lady by the name of Amanda Wilcox. She's an RN. To, mm -hmm. She doesn't work as an RN anymore. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit familiar with that field. <laughs> <laughs> she has a podcast called Beyond the Scrubs and she interviewed a guy who fasted for 114 days. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, I'm going to I'm going to link the podcast. You can listen to it, decide whether or not you believe that he actually did this. That's all on you. Was it a juice fast? I, I don't know. I haven't finished the podcast. That's a phenomenal title. It's very clickbaity, very catchy. So so I clicked on it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was um, Dr. Berg, the knowledge doc, the truth about fasting and how it works. And I will link that one as well. And in that one, he was talking about the benefits for fasting related to anxiety and depression. He actually had a patient or had read about a patient who decided that he was going to commit suicide. And his way that he was going to do that was through starvation. So he, he the first day, he doesn't eat anything. He goes to bed. He gets back up the next day. Oh, I'm still alive. Same thing on the second day. The third or the fourth day, he gets up and he's like, well, I, I feel better. I'm, I'm not foggy brained. I have a better attitude. I'm more interested in talking with my family and my friends. Something that he was eating. Could have been. Could have been. But that's all I have for my part. And Shalon is going to talk about gut health and fasting.
All right. Didn't you also ask me about immunity? Because I looked up some immunity stuff too. Sure. <laughs> I actually found an article from Mount Sinai, February 2023, where they did a, t a study on mice that found that, and the title of this press release is Skipping Breakfast May Compromise Your Immune System. Did okay. you read it? No, I haven't read it. They had mice that were fasted and fed. Fasted mice, their white blood cells, their mo their monocytes would go back into the bone marrow to hibernate and stay alive. But then when they fast, when they ate again, it was an overload of monocytes back into the blood system, which is an inflammatory response as well. And of course, they went on, you know, it's not fully, there's more research that needs to be done and yada, yada. Uh, but I thought that that caught my eye because I was like, wait a second. <laughs> but I thought it was supposed to be good for you. What, breakfast or skipping breakfast? Doing the fasting. Oh, fasting, yes. Well, if, you, if you're going to do intermittent fasting, maybe maybe don't skip breakfast. Skip lunch or supper. Well, wouldn't your, I think your body's system would still act the same way, right? Well, I also, too, wonder what did they feed the mice when they came out of their fast? The article, and I'll send it to you so you can link it. It didn't have anything like that. Um, See, I wonder about that too with with people who are studying humans and fasting. Because typically, if you fast for religious practice, your diet is better than the standard American diet. Usually, yeah. So I can see a sudden immune response if you come off of a fast and the first thing you grab is a Snickers bar. <laughs> Right? Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So what else you got? All right. So I did have come across a couple of articles. And of course, they're using language that I don't fully understand. But it is proven that fasting will alter your gut microbiome. Yeah, which is very exciting for me. Right. Because a, a thing nowadays that people talk about is an overgrowth of your bad bacteria. Um, candida is one of them yeah one of the big culprits that people talk about yeah which is yeast basically through the body your your gut um your you know your gut is also your first line of defense for your immune system so you you having a healthy gut with proper bacteria and you know good and bad bacteria that are in there they have to coexist yeah there has to be an, a nice balance will help your immune system immensely Intermittent fasting, uh, the article that I have here, says that it increases the diversity and promotes the remodeling of your microbiome. There's a particular family of anaerobic bacteria called, and this is where it gets funky, lacnospherocyte flourish. <laughs> I don't know all these big words. Hold on. Let me look that one up. On how to pronounce it, because I know I'm not pronouncing it right. Leptospiraceae or spiraceae. Leptospiraceae or spiraceae. That's a mouthful, right? Yeah. This group of bacteria is part of a particular order of bacteria that is responsible for a process called butrogenesis in the gut, which is beneficial for metabolic and anti-aging effects. Hmm. So the fountain of youth all this time has been in our gut. 
Banana? Uh, yeah. Just don't eat. <laughs> the metabolic and maybe health span enhancing advantages of intermittent fasting and food restrictions may be related to changes in the microbiome. Hmm. I firmly believe this. Uh, yeah, I do too. It gives your body a time of rest, which Karen had already mentioned earlier, where it can turn inward and start focusing on itself. Mm -hmm. Basically cleaning the streets. <laughs> For prepare, uh, preparing. Um, Repair. Preparing everything. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Well, if you think about it, everything in nature takes a rest. Even the trees we have take a rest. Yeah, and I know Didi's going to talk about the religious part of it, but in uh, in the Old Testament, you know, they were told to every seven years let their land rest. Mm -hmm. You weren't supposed to work it like you normally do. And then we wonder why our farms and stuff in modern day are... Food has lost the nutrition that it used to have. Yes. I wonder if there are any farms that practice that method. Like large ones that I could go to the grocery store and purchase their products. If wonder if they practice that method. Well, there's a lot of growing stuff here where I live. There's a lot of soybeans and corn that they grow. And I've never seen a farm that I'm familiar with not have something growing on it. Whether it's corn or sorghum or, or soybeans, they're always growing something. I've yeah. never seen them rest. This article I, I, re I have as well that I will send you to link also talks a little bit about how there's evidence that your gut microbiome is interconnected with our circadian rhythm, being able to get good sleep. Really? No wonder I can't sleep very well. <laughs> <laughs> I go back to people who are in the fitness industry that have gone on and done a nutritional course and gotten their degree or certification, whatever it might be, like Autumn Calabrese. Basically, she's allowed herself to be a guinea pig for that program that she came out with called Four Week Gut Protocol. And she's doing another one where she's letting herself be a guinea pig for this new one that she's coming out with that's going to relate to hormones. She is of the age where things are starting to change. Yep. I know for a fact that a couple periods ago, I had premenopausal symptoms. Did you watch that thing that I sent you from Dr. Maria Claire? And then my, remember my response was, but then I'd have to go to a doctor. Oh, yeah. You did say that. I forgot. <laughs> All right. Dee Dee, you ready to talk about fasting and the religious aspects? Uh, okay. So religious fasting. Um, it's practiced by people of many different faiths, including Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Jainism, Hinduism and Taoism, but it's also pronounced Taoism. What is Jainism? Right? Uh, Jainism is a faith that uh, believes in reincarnation, uh, and it's one of the world's oldest religions originating in India at at least 2,500 years ago. The spiritual goal of Jainism is to become liberated from the endless cycle of rebirth and to achieve an all-knowing state. So, okay. And these are... The faiths that, from what I understand, have the most people of the world practicing. Okay. So uh, the purpose of fasting, I, I read about, I mean, I'm a Christian, so I kind of already understood that, but I wanted to read it anyway. 
but I also read about the other Abrahamic religions, the Abrahamic faith, which is Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And what I got from reading on all of them, the purpose of fasting for that was to get closer to God mm-hmm. and to be able to hear more clearly what God is trying to tell us. Okay. When we talk specifically about Christianity, Christian fasting isn't to starve ourselves from food. The main focus is to shift our focus completely 100% on God instead of fulfilling our personal fleshly desires is to become more like Jesus and more dependent on the Holy Spirit. So you're fasting from food. And if you're doing it for a religious reason, if you're a Christian, if you're Jewish or if you're Muslim, you're going to be praying the whole time because you're using it to get closer to God. Praying the whole time because my understanding is when you're fasting. There, there are different ways that, that you can fast. You can fast for one day for 12 hours and you had mentioned that. So if you're doing it for a faith reason, you're going to be praying. You're praying. That's your purpose for doing it is to pray right. to God. Yeah, you're going to probably be doing other things, but your reason for doing it is praying. My understanding was that when you felt hunger pains or you were th- thinking about food, that's when you started to pray. Well, I probably would. According from what I'm understanding of it, you should have already been praying. Now, specifically looking into uh, uh, the Jewish faith, the purposes would be also be repentance, uh, fasting during times of mourning, uh, fasting for God's deliverance, like when David's child with uh, Bathsheba was dying and he was fasting and praying for like a whole week. Okay, he was wanting deliverance from God. He was what he wanted is for God to not let his son die. So he right. fasted during that time, and his son died, and he stopped fasting. So I think about Esther. Was, as well, yeah. I mean, there are different d- deliverance from God. Yeah. Continuing on with the the uh, Abrahamic faith um, in Islam, um, Islam preaches equality, and their fasting during Ramadan is to make the rich and the poor equal in many ways. One of these is staying away from food. Mm, okay. And that's interesting because one of the other faiths I'm going to talk about when I a little further down in here talks about um, fasting as a way to help out people who have less than you do. So I'm guessing in the other faith that they will fast and the food that they would have been eating that day, they would get to someone who doesn't have food. I, I don't know, but that's what I thought when I read it. That was my first thought when you said um, it. Uh, continuing on with uh, Islam, uh, Fasting is a private act of worship, bringing about nearness to God. So, you know, me saying that all three of those are the face of the Abrahamic faith is to get you closer to God. Now, the purpose of fasting in Buddhism, uh, uh, fasting practices are based on a moral and psychological insight. In Buddhism, fasting is an initial stage of self-discipline to acquire self-control. By fasting and sacrificing a meal once a day or for any period, we can contribute our food to those who are starving or who do not have enough to have a proper proper meal each day. This is under Buddhism. You would actually have to physically take your meal to somebody that doesn't have anything. Well, you could, or you could, I don't know, I guess if you're in America, you could make a donation to a soup kitchen, but fast for that day. You could do something like that. Okay, the purpose of fasting in Hinduism, in the Hindu religion, fasting, it's not an obligation but a moral and spiritual act where the aim is to purify the body and mind and acquire divine grace. Karen talked about, and I think Shalom mentioned it too, is about cleaning yourself and letting your body sweep the streets, as Karen said, purifying the body. So hmm. Maybe it's because of my low blood sugar, but I can, I can see when you're fasting, 
the the Holy Spirit just cleaning mm -hmm. your body. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to mute myself yeah. until this blood sugar gets under control. <laughs> Go ahead, Dee Dee. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you that when, when my blood sugar goes low, there are times when it controls me. And it's like the devil can get a hold of me, too, and give me all kinds of bad, awful stuff in my head. Yes. But there are times when it's just the opposite. When yeah, I, I feel you were talking about that, and, and I saw that. I saw that just, just came over me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I'm out. So, We're about to have church up in here if I don't shut up. <laughs> so uh, I, I feel you, sister. I, I have a blow, blow, low blood sugars too, and I, I know what you mean. And there are times when my blood sugar will go low, and there's a fleeting moment when it's like I fully understand everything that I meant to understand. I'm not saying I understand everything in the world, the universe. I'm not saying that. But everything that I am meant to understand, everything that God wants me to know and understand, it's right there, but it's fleeting and it goes away. Yeah. Either because it drops too low or I'm drinking juice and it goes too hot for, yeah. the, for that moment. So that fasting, I can see, yeah, I, I, I fully understand how it gets you, can get you closer to God. But also, I think you need to be careful it don't get you closer to the, to the, to the bad guy either. Right. So pray the whole time, I guess, maybe that's... Part of the purpose of praying while you're fasting for, for religious reasons or for any reason. If you're fasting for, for health or weight loss, you still should pray because a bad guy can, guy can might get a hold of your head. Yeah. Uh, the purpose of fasting in Jainism is fast may be done as a penance, especially for monks and nuns. Fasting also purifies the body and mind and reminds the practitioner Mahavera's emphasis on renunciation because Mahavira spent a great deal of time fasting. I have never heard of this religion. Many, many years ago, when I was in college, I took an intro to religion class. Jainism wasn't one of them we focused on, but it was one that was mentioned. So I knew about it, but I didn't know a whole lot, and I still don't know a whole lot about it, because I only looked specifically into it about fasting. Now, um, hang on. I had a thought. Where did it go? <laughs> oh is is that a division of like taoism um do you know some of these faiths some of these faiths uh do cross over now jainism is out of india taoism is out of china okay faiths often often do cross over a little bit because there's more than one that i've mentioned in here that believes in reincarnation and then you also have the abrahamic faiths that are separate but they all have the, the same originating point. Yeah, I think about uh, if you you can say in America or anywhere actually that you're a Christian, but then people will say, "What church do you go to? You know, are you right. Baptist or Protestant or uh, Pentecostal or Methodist? You know." So I was just wondering, was Jainism a part of like Taoism or Hinduism or something like that? Um, I don't think so. Um, I don't think Taoism is is old. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's older. I, I knew one of them was younger than the other. And mm -hmm. China's a really old place. China's been around for millennia. <laughs> um, what's it called? Taoism. It reflects the name of the Chinese. It was founded. Okay. Uh, Taoism was founded between five, 500 to 400 BCE. Well, I just looked it up. And it says Jainism okay. is not a branch of Hinduism. It is one of India's oldest religions. Yes. And some historians say that it is at least 5,000 years old. So it's it's pretty old. The purpose of fasting in Taoism, 
Okay, it was initially the first step toward immortality. Abandon food, which the body converts to waste, and instead absorb chi, which is a type of spiritual energy. In doing so, a person feeds their soul, leading to spiritual immortality. For me, fasting would be to make a, to connect God. So this faith, they don't believe in a, a God. They believe in like the universe, but it would connect them to that. So it is like a connection to their belief. Are those the guys that will not eat anything and they actually become mummified because they're, they go into a meditative state and they put them in yeah. a box underground and where, where does that come from? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, then they dig them up and they look to see if they're mummified. Okay. And if they're mummified, then they have achieved spiritual enlightenment. But if mm -hmm. they have started okay. to rot, then they didn't. Hang on. <laughs> I'll find it. <laughs> well, I know me and Karen are both, both suffering from uh, a little bit of a low blood sugar. All, all this sounds strange to me. <laughs> it, it can be comical because I'm, I'm a bit disjointed. I'm having trouble focusing. Like we're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's just sad to me like you would never know for sure you know yeah it's not my faith so i i don't understand it of all of the ones i looked into my faith i i understand but the only other faith i think that i would understand connected to mine would be judaism well that's because it's half of what we believe i know i know yeah I mean, that's my, my savior was Jewish, so that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they had the law before Christ, so yeah. I found it. I'm going to send it in the chat because there's no way that I can freaking pronounce this word. <laughs> it's that it's, good. What's well, Japanese? Oh. So Buchu or something like that? In Japan, the term refers to the practice of Buddhist monks observing asceticism to the point of death and entering mummification while they're still alive. There you go. Interesting. I actually have a picture of a Buddhist monk that's mummified with a pair of sunglasses on. I mean, that's disrespectful, I think. In medieval Japan, the tradition developed, uh, their religious tradition developed the process for this blank, soshu, buku, whatever which a monk completed over around 3,000 days. It involved a strict diet, which is another Japanese word, and I can't pronounce it, but it means literally to eat a tree. The monk abstained from any cereals and relied on pine needles, resins, and seeds found in the mountains, which would eliminate all fat in the body. They would slowly reduce, then stop liquid intake, thus dehydrating the body and shrinking all the organs. They would die in a state of, I think this is pronounced hyana, which means meditation, while chanting a mantra about Buddha. And their body would become a naturally preserved mummy with skin and teeth intact without decay and without the need of any artificial preservatives. Many have been found in northern Japan and are estimated to be centuries old. Like when, uh, this is off topic, but like when do you decide that, all right, it's time for me to go. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why, but I can't get it to come back up so you can see me. Oh, we can see you. I can hear you too. Oh, you can? Yeah. Oh, well, I can't see you all, so. <laughs> I'm making a face at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else you got, Dee? 
Um, hold on. <laughs> well, I mean, I went into more about the, the Christian faith because that's what I feel more comfortable with because it's my faith. Right, yeah. Uh, the Bible refers to fasting. Fasting, it refers to abstaining from food and drink for a specific period of time. Found in, let me see, cslewisinstitute.org. Uh, what they say is that in the Bible, the most common fast lasts for one day from sunup to sundown. It involves refraining from all food, but not from water. And in the Christian faith, we some of us know about fasting during Lent. Yeah. Uh, forty. It's 40 days long as a reminder of Christ's 40 days in the wilderness and his defeat of temptation. Here we're reminded that uh, Jesus was also tempted and that he stood firm against Satan's temptations. Right. But we don't usually fast from all food for 40 days. No, no. That's I mean, it's like giving that, up chocolate or soda yeah. or something like that. Right, right. The fasting I've done, well, because I'm a diabetic, I've not truly fasted before. And I've talked to my doctors about it before and they said no. So I haven't done that. But I have fasted from like uh, coffee or something like that. In the Christian faith, too, I've, I've read and I've heard people say that they would fast from something that was taking their attention away from God. Right. Yeah. For so, the that same. Would, so that would be, it could be TV, social media, shopping, um, mm-hmm. something that you may do a lot of, um, video games, depending on how young you are, things like that. You could right. fast from that. Depending on how faith. young you are. I still yes. play video games. <laughs> <laughs> You're a youngster, sister. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is my thought. And I don't really participate in that. I think I've done it a couple of times, but it's like Are you I talking always... about Lent or just fasting in general? Lent. Okay. Okay, so you fast from it for 40 days, but then you go right back on it. Some people do, and some people give up whatever it was altogether. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, if you're going to do that, you should give it up completely. Right. And yeah. I think that's the point behind it is of what you're supposed to be doing during Lent. And this is where I get the the understanding that whenever you think about food is when you're supposed to be praying, because that's how it was described to me when I first started going to church, going to a Methodist church with my husband. You fast during Lent from something. The pastor at the time said, whenever you think about that, whether it's coffee or soda or video games or, you know, shopping, whatever it is, when you think about it, that's when you need to say a prayer. Jesus fought temptation through God's word. Yeah. I'm thinking about fasting food. I mean, if I was going to fast food, of course, you know, doctors tell me not to, but I like food. (laughs) I think that if I'm going to fast from food, I'm going to be praying the whole time. I also found on a website called guideposts.org, According to them, five spiritual benefits for fasting is cleansing your soul, new desire for God, deeper praise, sensitivity to God's voice, and a new new satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Karen, I'll send you these links if people want to yeah, read them. Absolutely. On another website, national.cc, fasting will make your quote-unquote spiritual Ill ears more acute. You'll be able to better hear from God. Fasting enables your spirit to be yielded to God's will. It's a concrete way to say, not my will, but yours. Fasting renews your spiritual vision and strengthens your faith. Okay, I can see that. For anybody that's interested, Lent starts on February the 14th, and the last day of Lent is Thursday, March the 28th. Mm-hmm. And that is 40 days, not including Sundays. Not including Sundays? No, Sundays are not counted. Mm-hmm. 
So if you were fasting from fast food, you could go to McDonald's on Sunday. I'm just saying that's the way it was explained to me when I first started going to church. Makes no sense to me. If you're going to fast, fast. Um, and I did find a website that says um, it's a blog, MC Grath blog, and it's about how to pray through fasting. Now, Ramadan starts on Sunday, March the 10th. It begins at sundown on Sunday, March the 10th, and ends on sundown, Tuesday, April the 9th, for anybody that wants to know about that. I'm thinking about fasting during the month of February for spiritual. Okay. How are you going to fast? I was thinking about doing just like one meal a day, mm-hmm. and then do a fast from sunup to sundown, have my meal, and be done. Okay. That would be like intermittent fasting, but my fast would be 20 or 22 hours, and then it would give me a two-hour window in which to have my dinner. Right. I, I couldn't fast while I was at work because I, I need the food for energy while I'm at work. So if I, I did any fasting at all for me for a meal, it would have to be my supper. Mm-hmm. The Jewish Day of Atonement, which is Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish year, is observed with strict fasting and ceremonial repentance, October 11, 2024, according to what I'm reading. Isn't that the thing they do, too, where they go through the the special meal that's prepared where certain spices are very bitter, some are sweet? I'm not sure. I've heard of Yom Kippur, and I knew the Jewish people fasted for, but I I don't know other other than that. I don't know the details of it. No, that happened. Um, that was um, the Exodus. Passover? Passover, yeah. That's oh. when you eat the bitter herbs and stuff like that. That's Passover. Oh, okay. Do we have anything else that we want to say about fasting? What's your opinion? Do it or don't do it? I personally think as a Christian, the only reason that I should fast would be for spiritual reasons. Yeah. If you feel led to do so, then I think that you should do it. And I think that's between you and God, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, that's all I have to say on the subject. Next week, what are we talking about? Where's my book? <laughs> we decide. I have a calendar. Remember, we were talking about dis-ease. We'll get into that next week. But I will talk to you guys in the chat and see you next Sunday. Bye. Love you. Love you. Love you. Thanks for hanging out with us on this episode of Sister Sharpen Sister. If you enjoyed this episode, invite your family and friends to listen and leave us a review. We do have an email. The email is sharpsistertrio at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Sister Sharpens Sister. Talk to you later. Bye. The end.